Welcome back to another episode of She's Busy AF. I'm your host, Lauren Loretto, and today we have a wonderful, incredible, amazing guest. I'm really, really excited to bring you guys Kimberly Tara, who is a CPA and certified tax coach. Now, before you decide to not listen to this episode because tax, money, scary, wow, boring, no, this is not a boring conversation. And no, I actually, as a marketing person, do not think that money and taxes and all of that are boring, especially when you understand them. And I think prior to really understanding to uh, an extent that I need to understand, let's just say, taxes and money and everything within my business, the better my business ran. I've had my best year in business so far this year, and I really attribute that to knowing what is going on and just understanding how to spend money and how to like make wise decisions with money. So this conversation with Kimberly bounces back and forth between entrepreneurship and motherhood. And if I'm going to say this, I'm going to say another way to say do not tune out. (laughs) If you are not a mom, don't don't tune out because some of the things we talk about are just like basic money spending habits and things that are just, I think, all around good to hear in life and in business. So really fun conversation. Um, I actually, one of the first things I ask her is what car does she drive? And you'll see why. (laughs) So again, really fun conversation. A little bit about uh, Kimberly because we didn't really get into fully her background in the episode. So She focuses on tax reduction and financial optimization for multi-six and seven-figure female service providers. She niched. (laughs) She's awesome. So the Terra CPA firm is a partner who links arms with their clients to catapult them to success. They really focus on execution, education, and advice. She's also the host of the Messy Wonderful podcast, which if you don't know and haven't heard of that before go check it out it's a podcast and a blog it focuses on motherhood money and business which is pretty much exactly what we get into in this episode she's really passionate about educating female business owners as well as young children on all things tax finance and entrepreneurship something different than her and I that we'll talk about in the episode is she grew up with a strong financial understanding and background as parents in finance and I did not so really really I mean if you whether you did or not too I think you'll definitely find this conversation very interesting and definitely go check Kimberly out she is an incredible woman she's a mom of four kids under the age of six which is just a feat within itself so I will stop rambling at this point please tune into the episode if you love it give it a thumbs up give it a subscribe give us a subscribe give us five stars and enjoy Thank you so much for being on the She's Busy AF podcast today. Really excited to have this conversation with you. Welcome. I am so excited to be here. I think this is going to be a good one. Yes. We haven't really uh, – in this podcast, I haven't really had a guest on that's – I think at this stage, like where I'm also a mom, you're a mom, and we're also female business owners. So mm-hmm. this conversation is definitely going to be, I think, more of a mix of things, motherhood, business, all the – all the messy, wonderful, as you call it, yep, right? Yep, And we got to talk about money and finances because I would be remiss if I didn't, you know, my heart lies with money and finances and like just educating 
you know, female entrepreneurs, women, and then so that they can educate their kids too, right, on money and finances. I think it's a it's an important topic that's not being talked about enough. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. And I could go on for days about that too, just because I was not educated in that at all. Like I remember, and I think a lot of people can relate, like we had senior year of high school, it was government first semester and then like economy second semester Mm -hmm. or economics. And we were given that book, Freakonomics, I think is what it was called. Okay. I don't know if I've heard that I can't even – it's got like – it's a green and white cover. Anyways, we we did like a budgeting exercise. Like that is the most I remember. And so that we could see like what is life going to cost us Mm -hmm. like going into college, whatever. And – that's it. Like my parents wouldn't co-sign for me on a credit card and like help me like manage those things. It was just like, here's money. Here's what you do with it. So when I got to college, I racked up so much credit card debt because I had a boyfriend who was like, get approved for this credit card. Like you'll get this, then you can afford this. And like no one just educated me on on credit cards and money and all of that (laughs) for you. Well, yeah, it, it sucks. But you know, I went through all that. And now today, like I have someone in my business managing my money. And that's like, and then that's it has cause and effect. Like, I've been able to do that in my personal life. So it's okay. Yep. In my 20s still can uh, say that we've turned the ship around. Yep. But sometimes those are the best lessons to learn, right? Is more of those. I'm, I'm a big like, I, I think that education is important. But I also kind of believe in like the school of life, if you will. And I think some of the best lessons can be learned. Um, through the school of life because you'll never forget this. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, so getting into things, can you kind of talk about what led you to entrepreneurship? Share a little bit about your background and, and how you've landed where you are right now. Yeah, so I'm the opposite of you. I grew up as the kid of two entrepreneurs. Um, my dad's family was on was all, had a business. So I grew up where dinner at the table nightly was an economics lesson. Um, I could tell you all about calculating different rates and everything long before I was in high school. And funny story, my high school semester economics class, I went to an all-girls school and you planned a wedding. And I look back on that now and like it was fun, right? When we were like junior seniors in high school, that was super fun. But now I look back and I'm like, that was the most pointless exercise ever because that does not prepare you for life and the real world. So to a certain extent, I, I knew in some capacity that I was always going to be a business owner because that like I, th- I really do believe that it's kind of like in your blood and it just kind of is like a thing that gets passed on. But I was actually an engineering major before I switched to accounting. So I don't know that I ever would have had the opportunity to be a business owner as an engineer. It, it's just harder to, to do that line of work. But I went into my corporate public accounting stint and for me, we were getting close. To, we weren't quite ready to start a family yet. Unbeknownst to us, we were already starting a family. It was in the works. But I knew that I wanted the flexibility that I saw my parents have as business owners to be present in my brother and I's lives. And that that was a, a, a big reason that I wanted to be a business owner for my family and for my personal life. On the client side, I didn't get to interact directly with my clients when I was in public accounting, right? Only the partners did that or the senior managers. And that that was a grueling road to get to that level um, in public accounting. And watching these moms FaceTime their kids to go to sleep at night during busy season, I just – like I couldn't. I didn't have it in my heart to do that. So it was really twofold. 
it it gave me the personal life that I wanted to have and it gave me that closer connection to work more hand in hand with my clients as the business owner versus being like at a big corporation. That's so hard. I, I don't think I ever got to that point in my corporate culture where I saw that. Like everyone, you know, my background is working in an advertising agency and we were all like in our 20s. Yeah. I think the whole agency and like I think like exec level was not, but I think there was an understanding in their households that advertising rules your world. And, yeah. you know, so I never got to see that, to have that understanding and perspective. But at the same time, my parents didn't come home till super late at night. You know, I had that like, you know, I was with other family. I don't know. Like, so that's, that's really an interesting perspective mm-hmm. on how it, how it led you there, especially like right as you were starting your family. Like I, had my business for five years prior to having a kid. Okay. I've grown mine at the same time. So we found out that we were pregnant, I don't know, like two weeks before I started my business. And so I was like, well, I've already put my notice in. We were moving. We moved from Atlanta to New Orleans at the time. And um, I was like, well, guess guess we're doing this, you know? And it's funny because you remember growing up, like parents and adults would always say, like, you just find a way to make it all Mm -hmm. work. Yeah. Now, now we're on the other side of that as parents, right? And like, you just find a way to make it all work. Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely going to talk a little bit more about that later on in this episode. I'm very excited because I feel like I get that question too. And I only have one kid and you have uh, four. four. Four and they're all six and under. So... Can I ask this? Like, are you done? Are oh, you we're we're no, we're done. So <laughs> I I have three boys and a girl. So and I feel like you can't make society happy, right? Because like if we'd have had a girl somewhere along the way, they'd have been like, oh, so you're done, right? But if we'd have had a fourth boy, they'd have been like, oh, are you gonna keep trying for the girl? Like, you can't make people happy. You need to do you. And I was always gonna have two kids, a boy and a girl, and obviously that didn't work out. Um, but we were done at four either way because I don't know about you, but I think four is a lot. And let me tell you, four. Four is a lot. Well, I can't wait to talk more about that. Yeah. Uh, it may have to be offline just because I want four kids too. Uh-huh. Um, it's doable. So let me tell you, I'll <laughs> I'll say this online. The hardest jump is really – because, you know, everybody has different opinions and, and different family dynamics. But truly that jump from two to three was the hardest. The whole being outnumbered thing. Yes. Is it, you know, two to three was a much harder adjustment than three to four because now like it's a mindset. How many siblings do you have? One. Okay, so but- I only have one. Um, and it, it, so we very much had like and a boy and a girl. So like we always had a parent available to us. We got to do – you know, like we went to dinner because we, they were only paying for four people to go to dinner. So it's little shifts like that that I know we're going to have to make as a quote-unquote bigger family, right? Um, like we're not going to go out to dinner. And I have three very strong eaters. My husband's 6'3 and a strong eater and my boys are strong eaters. So like that's not something that's going to be a very special occasion for us to go out to dinner um, as they get older because, you know, it's already like 80 bucks for us to just have like an average meal. And that's just, that's not affordable in the long run. Um, But, you know, we're going to make other, other fun things. Sometimes I feel guilty about not giving them like enough individual attention, but we're really becoming intentional about finding ways to give them their individual time. And then I also remind myself like they have built-in friends for life and we are cultivating a strong relationship between them as siblings and to be there for one another. And that's something really special that we've given them as well. 
Okay, so I have to ask. We're just going to talk about this here. I have to ask, what kind of car do you drive? I have an Expedition Max. I gave up my Infiniti QX60 uh, because that wasn't going to fit three. It was very plush and lovely. Um, But actually, I really, really recommend. We have had the Expedition Max for two years now. I actually love big cars, so it doesn't bother me. Um, It is the best family car out there. For the price point, we looked at the Yukon XL, the Cadillac ESV. The Suburban, we kind of ruled that one out pretty quickly. But the Expedition Max, two years later, I am like, I still love this car for a family car and the size and road trips. We've taken a 23-hour road trip to Colorado in that car. It is, I highly recommend it if you have three or more kids, especially if they're all in car seats. So what you're saying is I can convince my husband that we do not need a minivan. Oh my God, no. Minivans don't have any space. <laughs> they don't. No, okay, like, so I've heard the opposite. Oh my God. We're like... There is no room for a double stroller plus more stuff in – like actually go look at the trunk of a minivan. And I'm like a very logical, practical, numbers-based person, right? Like I do analysis on the daily because that's just how my brain works. And a minivan does not give you any real room in the trunk, just saying. The sliding doors are a fantastic feature. Like when I'm trying to get the freaking carrier in the car and I'm like, the car door won't open because somebody parked too close to me. I'm like, God, I wish I had the sliding doors. But when you actually look at the space in a minivan, it's not very good in my opinion. Okay. I can't wait to take this back to my husband and be like, listen to this audio (laughs) clip. Okay. We're not getting a minivan. Plus, I don't want to drive a minivan. I think the expedition looks cooler. I like big cars though. I I like big cars. Yeah, me too. Me too. No, we – so we have <laughs> – such a side tangent, but we have a um, a 2010 Lexa, Lexus LS460L. Okay. And if you know Is that the square that one car, or the more rounded one? That's the squarey one, right? No, it's – it's it's um sorry. It's a sedan. Oh, it's not a, okay. It's not a crossover. But the L and the, the LS460L stands for long wheelbase. So it's basically it was like a chauffeur car. Like this was like a hundred thousand dollar car when it came out. Okay. Like we got it super cheap, like a year ago. Um, but we got it because it has that extra legroom in the back, so we can like take a road trip with our daughter, who's a baby, one, and our dogs, and still be comfortable. So like we are all for like <laughs> we're not like the flashy vehicle people. We're like what's going to be practical. So the, the Expedition <laughs> Max is such a practical car um, because like I said, my husband's 6'3". I'm only 5'1", so I don't need a lot of space, but all my boys are tall. Like my six-year-old is almost as tall as I am. So like they are going to need the space. And I can tell you our goal is to be able to afford to keep the Expedition Max. And I would like to have like just a little bit smaller of a car for like day-to-day use, but to keep the Expedition Max for road trips. And um, when we hopefully have childcare help again, it gives like a third car. Like our goal is to keep the Expedition Max for a while because it is, it's an amazing travel vehicle. Well, I'm excited to hear how that goes for you. And you'll have to keep me in the loop because you're obviously three steps ahead of me <laughs> with four kids. <laughs> so, okay. So kind of in that, in that tune, I think we should talk real quick about tax strategy and its role in business finances. And I say in that tune because I know sometimes cars can fall under that. Mm-hmm. Potentially, Mm -hmm. maybe. It's getting a little Um, bit harder as we move into a more virtual role. I think the IRS – this is just my opinion, right? This isn't – there's there's no statute for this. But I do think that the IRS is going to – we're going to see more cracking down on those um, vehicle deductions and things like that because the IRS knows that we're all moving to a more virtual 
world, right? So you're not driving all the places that you used to be. But yeah, if you if you actually use your vehicle for business purposes, it is absolutely a business deduction. That is super interesting. I know like a lot's changing uh, with tax and tax strategy and all of that. But I guess, you know, talking about that, can you tell us a little bit about what like what is tax strategy and what is its role in business finances? Because I think most people think like like me when I first started my business, I just handed everything over to an accountant. I didn't even know there was a difference between accounting and bookkeeping. I just knew they handled stuff. And I've recently had to pull my stuff away and go somewhere mm-hmm. else and for a lot of different reasons now that I understand. So can you kind of explain Yeah, explain that? Yeah, I would love to. And so one of our practi- – my practice's mentality is execute, educate, and advise. And that's because there's a big component to advanced tax planning that I'm never going to be able to teach you. I'm never going to be able to explain to you how I get to your customized tax plan. I just have to execute it for you because that's literally what my degree is in and what I do all day. But for me and the way that I operate and the way that I want to partner with business owners is I want you to be educated on as much as you can in the tax and financial space, right? So that you can make good decisions and that you can understand why we're doing certain things and that you can be proactive. But so I'm really big on educating business owners, especially female service providers, um, on the difference between tax planning and tax preparation. Because most business owners know inherently that they need to do something on their tax return, right? Like I have this business, I know it's going to affect my taxes, but they don't really understand how it's going to affect their taxes or what they might be required to file. And the biggest benefit that I want business owners to understand from, from a tax planning perspective is that's how we can be proactive to save you money. But it but we have to do it ahead of time. We you can't you can't come to me in March and say, "Oh, well what can I do for 2022?" Well, no, 2022 is basically over. We're in 2023, so we can start talking about proactive tax planning for 2023. So I'm really on a mission to help business owners understand that they need to be thinking about tax planning and most business owners, when you hit about the the six figure, that 100K gross revenue mark, that's when you're really going to start seeing the pain of taxes and the benefits of investing in tax planning. Um, really, if you're at that two to 300 gross revenue mark, you should definitely be doing tax planning. Um, so I, I partner typically with multi-six and seven-figure business owners. I have a couple of eight-figure business owners. Um, but if you've just hired an accountant, a tax preparer, they are more than likely just doing tax preparation, right? They're just, they're compiling all of the numbers that you give them from your income to your expenses, and they're putting it on a tax return so that you can tell the IRS what you made. What I'm doing is saying, how do we strategize and come up with legal and ethical ways for you to lower your overall tax bill? Um, and, And it's just something I'm really passionate about. My clients, they see the benefits, right? Like it's kind of, and you can understand this because you have a child. I don't, I don't know how old she is, but like when you get to that toddler stage, when you tell a toddler that they have to do something, chances are they don't want to do it because you told them that they have to do it. That's how many business owners and taxpayers feel about filing a tax return. But if you give them the opportunity to save money on their taxes, well, that's something that they're very interested in because that gives them an ROI. And I've had clients, you know, I have one client, we were able to save him over $100,000 a year. He paid off his mortgage. He 
funded three kids' college savings accounts. Um, he invested back in his business. And like those are the things that light me up inside because he was actually able to really do something and, and kind of change the trajectory of his life with those savings. That's so insane. I actually remember having that conversation with my original accountant. He was like, you know, at some point you're going to want to open different holdings accounts mm -hmm. and like this could be how you, um, you know, like fund your kids college, college funds, yep. like future, whatever. Yep. And oh my gosh, there's, <laughs> we've gone down a rabbit hole there to the point where we are so confused. We're like, wait, so should we open like an investment account or there's just so many different ways I know to like yeah. do Yeah. And it's important that. It's important to work with somebody who like you shouldn't be confused, right? Like you right. should have a clear understanding of your options and then also what's going to work best for your business and your family. So you need to make sure that you're working with someone who can clearly explain that to you, who can partner with your other advisors, your financial advisor, your bookkeeper, right? Your, your attorney, because all of those things go hand in hand because your financial advisor is actually the one who's going to set up those accounts for your child and for you, right? But you want to make sure that you are maximizing the tax benefits in doing that as well. Yeah. So on that note, uh, why should why should business owners, businesses in general, really ensure their tax strategies in the right hands? And like, what does what does that look like? Like, how do we know our our tax planning and strategy are in the right hands? So I, I'm gonna lead with there are many qualified tax strategists, tax preparers, bookkeepers, accountant out there. There there are tons of people. So first and foremost, you want to make sure that you do find a qualified person. So, you know, look at their credentials. And I know we're we're in this movement of like movement of like, well, credentials don't necessarily mean something. Well, but they kind of do. Ask them what type of continuing education do they take. I, you know, most states require a minimum of twenty hours of continuing education for uh, a CPA every year. I I take between six. 60 and 65 most years because I'm educating myself to make sure I'm bringing that back to my clients. So you want to look for someone qualified. Ask them for um, references, right? Ask them um, different questions. And I also suggest interviewing multiple people, having a consultation or a discovery call, whatever they call it. Talk to multiple people because in asking them the same questions and hearing what their responses are, that's going to give you some insight. If you already work with um, like a bookkeeper, for example, so so I, I have a lot of referral sources in bookkeepers, right? Because I want my clients to be working with bookkeepers because in my clients having up-to-date financial information, having accurate financial information, it allows me to do my job better for them. Um, so if you've had if you have a good working relationship with your bookkeeper and you know that they're knowledgeable, ask them because I can tell you, I had a I have a, a, a newer client um that forwarded me something from their previous quote unquote tax planner. And I was like, what is this person doing? And like listening to them explain the line items on a tax return, I was like, how do you not like you mess that up and how did you mess that up? Like it, it just, it confounds me, but I know what they should be saying. You as a business owner who is not an accountant or a tax professional or, you know, you don't know. So that's why my biggest thing is interview multiple people, talk to multiple people, 
First, you want to make sure that they're qualified in their knowledge. And secondly, you want to make sure that they're a good fit for you because there are multiple qualified professionals out there. But you also want to make sure because what I tell my clients is you really have to trust me. You are sharing intimate details of your finances with me. And I need you to be confident and comfortable to share it all with me because if you if you aren't and you hide something from me, then I can't effectively do my job for you. And so, you know, there's no judgment. There's, you know, there's just, okay, thank you for sharing that with me. What is the goal? What is the solution? How do we get to the other end of this? You know, not everything is fixable, um, but I love the book by Marie Forleo, Everything is Figure Outable, because everything is figure outable. Maybe I can't fix it for you, but we can figure out a solution. And so having someone that, you really trust that you have confidence in um, it's first finding a qualified professional, but secondly, making sure that they fit and they align with you as a business owner and your goals as a business owner. I have a kind of like an off the beaten path question here, uh, which has to do with everything you just talked about. Uh, So this is a thought that comes up with me. And, you know, like I think, I think less people talk about how much they're struggling or how much they have struggled and more people are like highlighting the wins Mm -hmm. or just not talking about it at all. And so just to kind of ease the minds of anyone who might be listening to this, it's so funny. Like I'll be walking down the street and I'll look at someone and be like, I wonder if they have credit card debt, you know? Mm-hmm. And so as someone who is in in someone's money planning and in someone's business, can I know you can't give specifics on certain people, et cetera, but what would you say is the percentage or sliding percentage of people who have money issues or just, you know, money issues that your type of position or job or just having a a qualified money professional working with them can help. I would. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I would say probably like 80%. (laughs) See, that's shocking to me. Like I thought I would think it would be more Mm -hmm. 50-50 because I just – I like to think that maybe people have a better grasp on their finances than I do and I just feel like it's still such a stressor, you know, more money, more problems still. It's still such a stressor, especially now that I'm married. So like I I think I might have told you this, but I went from – being the girlfriend who just moved in after dating for five years to by the end of that same year, married and mom. Yeah. So wife, mom, like all of the things. And so things happen very quickly. And because we have our own businesses or like he had his business, he now works corporate again. And like I have my business, like we only have a joint account together that we both put money Mm -hmm. into, but we keep these things so separate. And so there's like, I don't understand some of the things he's doing. And I think he doesn't understand some of the things I'm doing. And like, I have money trauma. And so I'm just so like crazy with the budgeting and everything and he's not and so I just think a lot of people don't talk about that and how much like money stress like sits in our head yeah I mean I think that financial disputes are one of the leading causes of divorce right I mean finances whether you're a business owner or not weigh very heavy on us as individuals and in our relationships and you know I think the reason that that number is so high is because everyone is like suppressing it and pushing it down. It's scary. It's overwhelming. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to do it. So they just push it to the bottom of their list. And that's why I advocate that the first – one of the first things that you outsource for your business should be your bookkeeping, right? Because until you have clarity on those numbers – every nothing else like you don't you don't need me if you don't know your numbers because i can't i can't do anything for you if you can't tell me how much money you made what your expenses are i can't help you and so i do think and and the you know i have so many 
um, I've had clients along the way. They're like, well, I'm just going to do it. I, you know, like I, because now I work in a different capacity with clients, but in, in the beginning, I only did like traditional tax preparation before I really honed in on this niche of, of tax planning and the importance of it. And they'd be like, oh, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to put it in QuickBooks. And the reality is when you've worked a 10 hour day and you've been the CEO and the COO and you've done the marketing and you've done the client work and you've been customer service and you know, you've been the office admin and the janitor and you've done all those things, the last thing you feel like doing at nine o'clock at night is putting stuff into QuickBooks. It's just the reality of it. Even when you're not tired, you don't want to do the accounting. And you know, it's it's all those feelings that come to mind. And the other thing too is if you don't know what you're doing, I've seen so many messed up QuickBooks files, zero files, wave files, whatever you're using. I've seen so many messed up because bless their hearts, people try, but they just don't know what they're doing. And so then like having to clean it up is a disaster. So I, I do recommend um, that the first, one of the first outsources that you have in your business is a bookkeeper so that you can get clear on your numbers. Yeah, I 100% wish I did that sooner. It wasn't till year five of my business mm-hmm. that I like, well, I lied. I had support from early on, but not support that was, I think, like open and transparent to me. Yeah. It took, it wasn't until this year that I hired someone that like did monthly meetings with me or gave me a report every month, you know, something that I understood and wasn't just quarterly or yearly. Right. Yeah, yearly. So if you're been... only getting something yearly, you are so missing the mark because yeah. you're so behind in not only making decisions for your business, but the tax stra- – like, I mean, you're just you're, – you're really behind. Quarterly, please, at a minimum, preferably monthly. If you're a business owner, you should be looking at your numbers. Yeah. I think people in your world call those money dates, right? <laughs> I've seen that people are trying to make it cute and catchy and like, you know, and you know what, if it, if pouring a glass of wine, a martini, a hot, a hot cocoa, a coffee, like whatever you need to do to make it less scary, less crappy, like whatever you need to do to get yourself to to do that and to look at those numbers, do it, go somewhere, drink something, eat something, like do whatever you have to do to look at the numbers. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm not a money professional at all, marketing. Uh, but I will say like this has been a game changer for our business. We've experienced 30% year over year growth. Mm-hmm. And I and I don't think it's solely related to having a, gra- a grasp on money. But at the same time, I do because I, I see the reports. I see our expense tracking. I see everything. I see our profit go up and our expenses stay the same, right. which is so amazing. You know, so having that accountability and just knowing where everything stands, like the actual cash balance has just been so incredible. Yeah. So I'm excited to see where we land with uh, taxes this year. God, it's going to be interesting. Because <laughs> it, it is a catch-22, right? You, more money, yeah. more problems. The more money you make, the more taxes you owe. And, you know, so that's that's where I come into play for clients is, you know, then they realize like, oh, shoot, I'm going to owe $30,000 in taxes. And some are prepared, some are not prepared. Um, but the reality is, what can we do strategically and proactively so that you don't have to pay thirty thousand legally and ethically, of course? Exactly, exactly. Cool. Well, I kind of want to transition and talk about work and motherhood. Okay. So my question for you is, do you feel like you have a healthy relationship with work and then also being present with your kids? Like, and I will say one thing that's come up is like, I see you have your nails done. Need to know if you do them yourself or if you go and get them done. And how do you, how do you find time to do that? Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> so 
Lots to unpack here. Having my nails done, I have gone times without having them done and I just feel more put together. So like right now, I don't have any makeup on. I did dry my hair with a blow dryer last night. Um, Having my nails done, is it's like a really big thing for me. And I get the gel so I can go about three weeks and I go to a place that I schedule my appointments and I schedule them out. Pretty much, I've, I've had to switch them to Thursdays from Fridays recently with our childcare issues, um, but typically my husband was off on Fridays, and so that's why I would go, I would drop one, our, our third off at preschool for 8.50, and then I would go to the nail salon for 9, and I was back home by 10, and that is a standing date every three weeks in the calendar that I go because what I realized is, you know, and they they talk about like moms can't pour from an empty cup. I'm pouring from an almost empty cup right now, but I am still finding a way to get my nails done. Um, Because that's just like, that's one hour every three weeks that like I need because having my nails done is just like, it's just really, really big for me. So that's like kind of like I'm not exercising right now, right? So another mom, another business owner out there might prioritize, you know, going to, to yoga or Pilates reformer for that one hour once a week. So like I think you need to pick what's important to you. And right now having my nails done every three weeks is really important to me. Um, so I make it a priority. I pencil it in. And how I fit that in is um, I do a lot of work early in the morning. I do a lot of work late at night after the kids have gone to bed. I will work on the weekends. So I actually, somewhere probably in year two of owning my business, I realized I'm like, I'm doing all of the rat race on the weekends that, and I'm competing with all of the other people that have to go to the grocery, get their nails done, get their hair done, uh, do all the, all the shopping, go to Target, all of the things because they, they have to go on the weekends. So I do a lot of that stuff during the week. And then I work on the weekends um, when the kids are napping, when we're home. And that is a lot of what enables me to do it. I'm struggling a little more with that right now with the baby and no childcare. But that is something that like I can go make returns to three different places in an hour on a Tuesday. That might take you three hours on a Saturday because you're competing with the crowd. So that's a big thing that I do to fit things in. And I choose to work at night or on the weekends. Um, what was the first question before we, before I went on my nail tangent? Yeah. Do you, I mean, so I think some people listening to this might say like, she's working nights and weekends and early mornings. And like, when you say that to me, I'm like, yes, girl, I understand that. And if that's going to be the time where I can have the silence to get things done, it doesn't bother me. And I think for some people it does. So, you know, in your mind, I kind of might've answered this for you, but do you feel like you have a healthy relationship with work? I do now. I have not always. And I actually did some big reflection on that a um, couple months back. I did some big reflecting on on that. And I realized in my first 12 months of business, I made six figures, but I was also burnt out AF. I mean, just I wasn't saying no. I actually have a podcast episode coming out on this on our podcast talking about three business decisions that I would change. And one of them is like saying yes to everyone because it led to so much burnout. But I have a healthy relationship with work now. And I think that with having each child, I've realized that my time has become more and more precious and that I have less and less of it. And that you also realize just how quickly they grow. And I, I'm i I'm first to admit my gross revenue in my business for the last four years has basically been the same 
And I'm okay with that, right? Like, like my gross revenue has been the same. My profit has gone up slightly with some with some things that I've implemented from a systems perspective. But it serves our family financially, and it allows me to be a present mom. And so, some people might say, "Yeah, but you haven't grown your business." Well, no, I, I really haven't. But I'm okay with that because I have been a present mom. I've been able to be at school for the Thanksgiving feast and the Christmas parties, and I've done mystery reader, and I've done all of the things. And that's the priority in my life right now. And, you know, the reason that I get back online and work on the computer at 8.30 at night is because that's after all the kids have gone to bed. And I end my day right now, again, because we have no childcare, from three to eight, I am like solely with the kids four days a week, right? So they are getting, and that's not to say that I don't have to take a call or have to respond to an email, but by far and large, I leave my computer up in my office and from three to eight, like my kids are getting my attention. I'm I'm strategically doing things around the house. So I save like unloading the dishwasher, washing the clothes, getting prepped for the next school day. I save all of that for those five hours between three to eight because I don't want my kids to constantly see me on my computer or on my phone. I'm okay with them seeing me do the laundry, do the dishes. They need to understand all the things that go into making a household run and they do help with that, you know, our six and four-year-old. Um, so I'm very strategic about the things that I do when I'm with my kids and I'm trying to make sure that that's not being on my computer or being on my phone. And that to me is how I find the balance. I love that. And I think I, I, I follow the same thing, you know, like four to seven, like it's a time block mm-hmm. on my calendar every single day. That is baby time. Yep. It's also getting stuff done around the house sure. time because sometimes, you know, you pick and choose your battles. Uh, but same, you know, like really making sure you can be present there. That's amazing. I, I love that. And um, I understand the child care troubles. I talked about this extensively on the podcast when Jesse was first born because I did not realize like how, how hard it is. Yeah, how hard it is, especially in those early days. Um, but I would love to kind of round the corner, wrap this up. I don't want I don't love to. I would I wish we could keep talking and I'm gonna have to have you back on the <laughs> podcast. But I wanna kinda leave everybody with some resources. So I'd love to hear and we'll make sure we link this in the show notes. What are some of your top recommended money resources for entrepreneurs and, and small but growing businesses? Yeah. So I kind of already mentioned Everything is Figure Outable by Marie Forleo. That one's not like specifically money, but I think it's a mindset shift, right? That like you can figure it out. Um, I also really like The Compound Effect. That one is very beneficial not just in a financial capacity. He he talks about it from a financial capacity, but he talks about the compound effect of just little actions. It pairs well um, with Atomic Habits where he talks about little actions. And so I think that those things are very applicable to your money, to getting control of your finances, to being aware, little steps to being aware of your finances. I also really like Think and Grow Rich And then on the flip side, die with zero, um, which kind of talks about like not hoarding money um, because like you said, more money, more problems. And so I think it's, I I just want everybody to have a healthy mindset around money, right? It's it's not always about uh, having more. And, you know, I think that that's exactly what my business has shown over the last couple of years is 
you know, my business has stayed at the same roughly gross revenues, but it's allowed me to be the mom that I want to be. And that is worth more to me than doubling my profits or tripling my profits. And so um, that's why I really like die with zero. So those, I'm going to leave y'all with those four because I could probably go on and on and on, but uh, that's that's already a pretty good, they're all available on, audio, on Audible because I only listen to audiobooks. Um, so those four will take you a good little amount of time. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And I see right behind you, right off to the rescue. This is your book, right? That's my book. Now, unfortunately, that one's back from 2018. It is still pretty applicable, um, but uh, the American Institute of Certified Tax Coaches comes out with a new one every year. Uh, So mine's back from 2018. It is still pretty relevant. My chapter is on retirement planning. We each take a chapter and we we co-authored this book and I'm very passionate about retirement planning. So um, it's my favorite chapter in the book. Oh, so cool. So, so cool. All right. Well, lastly, tell us where everyone can find you, how they can connect with you and inquire to work with you if that's something they're yeah. interested in. So um, it's at Tara CPA Firm on Instagram. I, I'm not really big on social media there. It's kind of like a landing page. You can also visit our website at www.terracpafirm.com. And then if you are looking for more like motherhood, money, business, and uh, just a little bit more of like that pep talk uh, that you can do it, um, that is at messy underscore wonderful on Instagram. Um, and I kind of share more of like the true like messiness of motherhood and entrepreneurship there. Yes. I, I love following you on, on that platform as well. Like, especially cause you're like, again, I feel like you're like my, my virtual mommy mentor. Oh, like I'm going to be there one day. You. So I love, I've I love been, that. yes, I'm so excited that <clears throat> we ultimately connected and that we got the chance to do this. I would love to have you back on the podcast. Yes. And so thank you again so much, everyone, for tuning into the episode. Please go connect with Kimberly. She's absolutely amazing. Thanks for having me. We'll see you. Yay. We'll see you on the next one.